0: Welcome to another episode of Yalla Rocks, I'm your host Tiffany and today we're talking about a topic that dancers seem to love and dread in equal measure. Improv. Today we're going to make improv into play. Heather Henna-Louise is here with us to talk about her experiences with improv and the way that she likes to think about the audience as she goes. Where do we start with improv? What do we do when we lock up in fear during a song? What do we do with the worries about the audience judging us? All of that and more in today's episode. Dancers and welcome to Yalla Rocks Belly Dance Podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today's guest is Heather Louise. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tiffany. Nice to be here. So since this is your first time on the podcast, we we always like to know, write a little bit of backstory. Dancers are always curious about this when they're hearing from somebody new or someone they love and they just don't know kind of where did this all come from. So how did you get into Middle Eastern dance and how did it snowball out of control uh, to turn into your career.
1: <laughs> oh, how did it snowball out of control? A memoir.
0: Um, <laughs> Every dancer, it's always it's always a snowball out of control.
1: <laughs> Those of us who make it this far, right? Yes, it had to snowball. <laughs> so the snowball got this big because I was in college and um, it was during the Shakira phenomenon. Mm-hmm. The whenever, wherever. I'm talking about OG Shakira phenomenon. <laughs> circa 2000, 2001. And um, I always liked to dance. You know, I went to, I went out dancing a lot. I loved music. And I always felt like I could watch dance. I, I didn't grow up like dancing formally, just casually. And I, I always felt like I could watch dance and I could understand how it was anatomically happening. And then when I saw Shakira dance, I was like, I have no idea how she's doing that. I think I need to take a class. Um, And so one of my friends was also interested in that, and she suggested that we take a class together. I actually ended up uh, taking a class from my college, Portland State University. They had a PE class. So my one credit of PE was belly dance. Nice. And and I remember it was just one term, but I remember just uh, floundering around (laughs) for a few months and just trying to follow the bouncing butt but um my teacher there she was an incredible dancer and she was really kind of she's kind of strict in some ways where she would just kind of look at you and be like dance <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um but at the same time she always had at the end of class like this circle where she would dance in the middle and she would like really um fall into the dance like i just it, it was amazing to watch her transform you know in her like sweatpants and whatever into this uh, like gorgeous woman and i felt like that was just an amazing uh power of the dance of this dance and i i love the music right away i didn't understand it at all but i i was just like entranced mm-hmm. by it to say the least. um and then after uh after that class it was going into summer break um and she suggested or recommended um if we wanted to continue learning, to go to this amazing dancer in town who had just won the Belly Dancer of the Universe title. Her name was Aziza, and she was teaching class. And so Aziza's in the bundle. Those of you everybody knows so I went to her class and I was like, Wow, the belly dance belly dancer of the universe, right here in my hometown. And <laughs> of all the places in the universe. I mean right here, Southeast Portland. And so I went to her class and immediately fell in love with her like everybody does when they take her class you know um she the way that she taught that just her energy um the music how she made everything very clear and accessible but also had this like passion i was i fell more in love with the dance but i also was very fortunate to have such um you know a role model as a teacher mm-hmm. um that i eventually when i started teaching classes later uh, looked to those early classes as a, how to teach this dance Yeah, uh, so that was the beginning of the snowball and then I moved overseas after I graduated from college and I I realized quickly that after that, that had been about five years I had been taking classes and while I was overseas I realized I really loved and missed missed dancing, I needed a community and so I, I went to Tokyo where I knew there was a huge belly dance community but I also had always wanted to go to Japan. Being part Japanese, having studied Japanese, it kind of just was all coming together that I decided to go there. And then my teacher there, she uh, just watched me in the first class and she said, you need to just start performing. You have all of the tools. Now it's just a matter of diving in, jumping into the deep end and figuring it out. I'm very thankful that in those days, people didn't have cameras on their phones, so that no one saw me (laughs) floundering around the deep end on social media and a live stream. So I got to make a lot of mistakes danced in restaurants and clubs and all kinds of things. I got. I also got into tribal fusion there. That was where I met Rachel Bryce uh, for the first time. So I was kind of doing everything. Like I, I was, my, my teacher there um, taught Turkish Oriental, So I was studying that. I was dancing my American cabaret background. I was taking tons of workshops in Japan at the time. I think it's still true now. Um, Egyptian, rock sharkey was really the craze. So a lot of people were coming there to teach workshops. And I realized that that was the music that I loved. So um, my partner, uh, Tanishq, and I decided to start a monthly um, live music show because I knew, I felt like I can improvise to canned music and i was I was doing it ok, but I really wanted to understand how to dance to live music. My dad's also a musician, so I grew up around live music. and I just mm-hmm. felt like that was oh like that was the ultimate for me as the to prove to myself like whatever quote unquote, like professional real dancers can improvise to live music. That was like the height of, you know, that was where the bar the bar that I was reaching for was to be able to do that. so we um we started a show. A monthly show with a band there, Aladdin, and I learned how to dance to live music by just forcing myself to do it. I had a month, <laughs> I had a month to practice every version of the song I was going to dance to, and then throw caution to the wind. Yeah, and so eventually I came back to Portland after I had my son. I'd lived in Japan for four years, started teaching here, and etc. Like I'm still here, still teaching. Uh, Sarah, and I, I think about my dance career up until now is like a series of serendipitous events. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Where it's like, I just kept doing what I loved and um, an opportunity arose and I took it. Even when it was scary, you know, when my teacher said in Tokyo was like, you have to start performing. Um, you should perform in restaurants. And my gut instinct was like, I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And then in my next thought immediately was I have to do that. So I just kept doing it, and you know, when I felt like I wanted to start teaching, um, my teacher there in Japan, she invited me to teach at her studio, and it was the same kind of thing where I was like, can I do it? I'll try it. And then I just, you know, just kept going. I I moved back to Portland, and Rachel Bryce asked me to teach on Detour online. My immediate reaction was, that's a terrible idea for me. I hate listening to myself talk, and then my immediate next thought was, you have to do that. (laughs) Don't be stupid. So, you know, that is how the snowball got so big. Yep. And I mean, I still love it. I'm, I'm thankful that I have, I guess my guiding light has always just been that I follow my curiosity and I, I trust that pure intention. And then the doors open along that path because I'm just following, you know, that.
0: Along the way. So through this, when do you remember first improvising? Like when was the first time you were kind of asked to improvise through this journey?
1: I actually, I think that, I always improvised at home, you know, like just bopping around to music kind yeah. of, but um, the pressure to perform an improv just happened like on stage when I forgot the choreography <laughs> and I was dancing by myself, right? So what was I, I wasn't going to stop. I also... I realized that when I'm in a group, I actually can remember choreography because if other people are counting on me, um, then I will just really focus on on doing the choreography right. But when I'm by myself, it's so much more of a personal connection to the music that um, that overrides. I, I don't have the same feeling of like needing to execute or needing to like. Nobody's holding me accountable. Yeah, <laughs> and nobody so knows. My feeling just takes over, and nobody knows. Um, and and my connection to the audience is more important. Um, And so I I kind of just realized that despite my best intentions of having a plan or having a choreography that I was always going to end up at first, I felt bad about it because I thought, oh, I forgot it. I just forgot the choreography. But then I I actually had a really great time. So these were conflicting things that were going on. It was like, oh, shoot, I forgot the choreography. And then it was like, but we all had a really great time. And um, they asked me to come back. So it, it must be fine. You know, so... It can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. And I I just learned to look at them as two different art forms, really.
0: Mm -hmm. My first time being asked to actually improv was when I started doing restaurant work, which I also started way too soon. Like The restaurant in town just needed more dancers, and there weren't like the level of dancer that they needed, necessarily. They also had some issues with who they wanted to hire, but we'll leave that to the side. Um, And so my teacher was like, you, go, dance. And it's like tossed into the deep end, right? Like, okay, I guess now I have to learn how to just not do this in my room. Like you said, right? To not just bopping around your room. Like now there are actually people involved, right? (laughs) So we have to, we have to do that. So what is it about improv that terrifies us so deeply when we first go in? What is like your experience with your students, with yourself? Like, because it is, it is real. There is like this fear of of having to improv having to do something anything to the music
1: um i think that people fear that they're going to do it wrong you know it's this belief that there's a right and there's a right way to do it or there's you know x amount of this type of movement makes it rock sharky or we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and it's just not the point of the music or the dance you know so i think that if you're not of the culture, then um, I think you have to examine your own culture. Uh, and so speaking as um, someone from the United States who did not grow up in a, in a family that comes from a dancing culture, mm-hmm. um, where we think of dance as being something that happens on stage for performance purposes that has to look a certain way. Um, so speaking from that perspective, I think that we put all this pressure on ourselves that it, it must look like something In order for it to be right Mm -hmm. but i I think that what i realized in listening and studying the music specifically so if we always go back to the music's intention uh is that it's for enjoyment right it's for um and if you listen to how the musicians are playing the songs they're playing with the song right it's not i mean even think about that word in english like to play Mm -hmm. to play music uh that is inherently an improvised creative space so we have to let go of this kind of black and white thinking that uh it it has to that there is some there is some kind of right way to do it um there is a right way to do a choreography because we've predetermined that and that's why i think of them as two different art forms so that's what i notice a lot is is the fear of doing it wrong the other um thing thing i think is huge is that people are afraid to show themselves So in improvisation, you're in a creative space in the moment, which means that your decisions are coming naturally. And those natural choices are just who you are in essence. Mm -hmm. And that's a scary thing to say, like, well, if I make that decision, if I didn't calculate out that all the things I was going to do beforehand and really try to control everything, how I'm perceived, as if we can even do that in a choreography anyway. And I just let these things arise. What if they don't like it? And it's just really that's just truly who I am, and people just don't like it. That's a scary thing, that rejection, right? So that vulnerability, I think it's those two things um are the main things that sort of shut us down when we think about improv
0: i and especially when you combine them, right? like what you like what you said, like I'm putting myself out there and what if they don't like it? What if I put myself out there and it's wrong? Yeah right? <laughs> like <laughs> whoo, that's. That's a hard one. So then what do we do? Mm -hmm. How do we move past this? Well, you know, I think that
1: there's a lot of mindset work that we can do that's for dance, but it's also just for ourselves, Mm -hmm. right, as human beings. And that is acceptance, um, understanding that you're doing your best. Also, uh, I think that developing a really deep personal relationship with dance and the music and letting that be the foundation for why you dance And not for others acceptance of you or what others might think of you that will ground you in a way that is genuine Mm -hmm. and if someone is coming at you like hey you did that wrong or hey i didn't like it," you know i didn't like it like then it's like you know what i'm coming from a place that's really pure and really i'm really secure in that place and if you don't like it that's fine it wasn't for you today you know um thank you for expressing that (laughs) gosh
0: (laughs) That one's
1: always hard to say, right? I, I, thanks for the opinion I didn't ask for. No, um, you know, but that's another thing is is to always be a student of the art form, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you know you're doing that work and you're trying your best, are we ever going to get it completely 100% right if there is such a thing? No, we're not. Is it the point? No, it's not. So I when I step onto stage, I know that I've done a lot of work and because of that, I am secure in, in my knowledge of the craft. Um, I'm secure in my relationship, my pure intention to the art form. I believe that everyone is there to have a good time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the other thing is that we assume that a lot of times that the audience is judging us. And why don't we assume something else? Why don't we assume that they're there for to, you know, to go on a journey with you? Why, why don't we assume the best? in them.
0: If you get to make up the story, you might as well make up a good one,
1: right? You're just going to dance better and you're going to have a better time. And I think that the more that you, you put yourself out there, the more experience, the more data you gain, right? The way the audience responds to you, You, of course, are going to find that some people are just not into it and you don't have to focus on them. You focus on the people who are into it. And then over time, you know, the people who are not so into it. I mean, I've even had people come up to me after shows who I thought were totally checked out to give me a compliment so it just proved to me that you know what i don't know what's going on with everybody like i have no idea what they're thinking and i shouldn't make assumptions i should just go out there enjoy myself enjoy the music be secure in who i am be secure in my in my knowledge of the art form and share this thing show this music that i love right Mm -hmm. um i think that when i can show people even if it's one person through my dance the reason that i love this song then it's amazing like that's if i can if i can make them hear something they wouldn't have heard if they just heard it without a dancer there that's like the kind of thing that i live for
0: that's my favorite in a literal sense even is when people will come up to me and be like i didn't even hear that part of the music until you danced it and then i was like oh there's that thing in the background even in a literal sense like you can do that when you portray the music and i think that that's awesome but yes you can't you can't control other people's perceptions of you right? You can't control what they think, how they're going to do it. So doing that mindset work to be confident and show up and just do your own thing is so important, but it's so hard. There's so much work that goes into that. It's a lot of, it's a lot of trust in yourself.
1: And it's good for you. It's good for you to practice trusting. (laughs) For sure. Trust the universe, trust yourself, trust other people, you know? ultimately it's just dance you know it was never meant to exist forever on youtube in a video it was just meant to happen in this moment and be done and exist in the minds of the people who were there so dance is the is the art form that is just of the moment
0: Mm -hmm. i feel like even even watching youtube videos though like you don't remember the video. You remember your experience of the video. Late, like you're still remembering just that mm-hmm. moment. Still, like even if the medium's different and it's being shown in a way that that uses the medium, it's still in a way like just a moment in time because that's what you take away from it. Like I can remember um, last year when uh, with the Beirut explosion, uh, Esmeralda did a piece that was very sad and emotional around this disaster that happened in Lebanon. And could I go find that piece and watch it? Sure. But that's not what I am going to do. I'm not going to necessarily go watch it all the time. I'm going to remember the feelings that that piece evoked and like my experience of watching that and being like, oh my gosh. Right. Even, Mm -hmm. even though we weren't necessarily in a moment and that moment is captured in a weird way. Like, yeah, like that, that still happens. Like even in this digital medium I feel so one thing that you know you mentioned here the mindset is very important but you've also mentioned right you said when you did these live shows you were putting on these live shows once a month that you would just dance to every version of the song and then throw caution to the wind so there is also like actual prep work that can go into building that confidence building the ability to to trust in yourself and your body so can we talk a little bit about like, what does what does that look like in the way that you teach it? Like, how do you prep people, quote unquote, to then, you know, let go of all the things they've learned and do something completely in the moment?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think that um, a prepared dancer, a well-rehearsed dancer can improvise, you know, can improvise well anytime. And so there is preparation and it's about knowing the music. I've heard people say like, oh, well, the band just played any song like we didn't get to choose the song they just played any song and it's like well yeah you can improvise to that but um i don't know that that everyone is going to be giving their best i don't know that everyone is setting themselves up for the best experience the band and the dancer and the you, you know for the audience and just because i can doesn't mean that it's like my greatest work you mm-hmm. know like so there are songs there that are composed i mean i think this is another thing that sometimes people think like oh it's just all improvised <laughs> and it's like well Tuxim is improvised completely, but even within Taksim, there's rules and you learn those rules and you learn how to go with them and how to break them. Right. Um, That's maybe the most free space. But as far as the songs go, they're composed. And so if you can listen and learn the song um, and then, yes, there are many versions of them, the same song, which is always great because you by dancing to many versions, you understand the parts of the songs in a different way right? Because of the instrumentation or the speed that they're played at or how they uh, pull out the accents or not or whatever. Um, So you just start to be prepared. Uh, You find the space within the song to listen, to still stay present. So that's the cool thing, I think, about learning the songs. um, Because when you know them so well, then you can enter into the improv setting with curiosity of like, how are they going to play this if we're talking about live music? Like, how are they going to play this intro um, how are they going to set the mood for uh, you know what's to come what instrument's going to play that break you know and then you you just you have to stay relaxed and receptive and i think that's another thing that ends up happening is that we try to anticipate what's going to happen in the song even when we know the song very well we're like oh here it comes i'm gonna get ready i've got all my i got like my little isolation pattern i always do to this section and then the band plays it differently so you have to create some space for yourself to be receptive to the music in order to play with it while it's happening so that's one thing is, is having that preparation at home, just your knowledge base, right, of the music. The other thing is that there is a practice of staying open to the music and that requires the body just to soften. So even when you're practicing to recorded music, which most of us are, right, practicing just drinking in the music instead of attacking the music or <laughs> going after it or trying to hit it or whatever. Right. And we can do that. Like we can play with those dynamics of when to hit and when to, and when to receive it. And, and that's the muscles. If you think about the muscles contracting and releasing, that's also somatically what's happening in the body. But if we're always in a state of like, Oh, like I'm going to get it, then our body never can relax in order to respond. So that's just uh, something that in your body, you have to cultivate a place of like stillness. And this takes trust, right? It takes not wanting to control every moment. It takes allowing softness so that, you know, maybe today when I hear the oud start, it actually starts in my shoulder today. Wow. Like I heard the same song yesterday, but it wanted to come out of my right hip, like softening so that the music can fill you and inspire something to happen and then going with it. So staying curious about what arises in you and saying like, Oh, wow. That's what's happening today. Okay. How are we going to play with that? Where can we go with that? Like what's connected, right? If it's in my shoulder, what's connected to my shoulder? Oh, my elbow, my rib cage, my head, um, which is going to be completely different uh, pathway in the body. than if that came out of my right hip, right? All of the things that are connected to that. So staying curious, staying soft, playing with what arises, um, not trying to control everything. And then when you feel like, oh, I didn't quite get it right, just laughing it off and saying like, oh, that was fun, you know, and it's a new moment. Um, So there are ways to sort of watch your mind, so to speak, when you're practicing, so that when you're in an improv setting, you can come back, you have some tools when you notice like, oh, I'm getting really outside of my body. I'm getting really out of my feet. I'm starting to worry about what other people are thinking. What are my tools to bring me back to myself and to soften back down so that I can let the music fill me and then play, right? Because we're always gonna have that push and pull with the, the environment. I don't know, like a some a wait staff dropped um, a tray of dishes, right? Like there's going to always gonna be some distractions or something in the environment. And it's like, well, how can I pull myself back First of all, where is the ideal place for my body to be where it can be receptive to the music and, and curious and playful and secure, right? Like we have to feel secure. That security comes out of trusting the audience, trusting my knowledge, trusting my relationship, my peer relationship to the music. And then once I have that security, then I can soften and I can respond and play. You can't do that if, you, if you're worried mm-hmm. or if you're concerned, right? So understanding just kind of how the body really reacts in, in situations of stress, and then, you know, how, can, we, can we cultivate an environment in our performance space that feels safe and playful, if that makes sense.
0: It does. And it it actually ties in so well, I feel like with the mindset piece that you were talking about, because so much of the way that you are speaking about improv and like the space that you <laughs> inhabit when you're in improv also sounds a lot like when you are practicing, when you are practicing mindfulness, right? And you're trying to become more self-aware of your thoughts, right? You're trying to create distance between like what you're doing and like the immediacy of the thought, like you get to pull away and and have the space to make different choices, to make those things happen. Like, you know, you're pulling away from the worry and the, Oh my God, what comes next? And the needing to control the song, you're pulling away from all of that to the moment and being in your space and in your body. It's like, it's actually really mirrors a lot of thought work. Yeah. It'll be good for you. Do it in your dance. Do it in your life. (laughs) So you mentioned there are some of tools that you can start to, like, use to, like, get back into your body. Like, stop worrying about the audience. Stop worrying about this, like, in, out. Like, let's do this. Can you... For people who are going to practice improv later today, what's something that you would have them try?
1: If you're the type of person who feels like when it's time to improvise that you just clam up, like your body just tightens up and you're like, I don't know what to do. Then I find that first understanding the relation, your relationship to the ground, right? So softening into the ground, that means bending your knees, allowing you to your, you to feel just the weight of your body coming into the ground and then pushing out of the ground. That's our first dance move, right? Is the relationship that we have to the earth, softening into the earth, pushing out of the earth, all of that. So you can think of all movement as having that kind of um, inspiration, right? Coming anti-gravitational to gravitational. So just, I mean, you can even think of like rocking, right? Like and how soothing that is, that kind of thing. So first grounding down and then just pushing, pushing out and and just noticing then when you're working from the feet, so we don't call it groundedness for nothing, When you're working through the feet then, what is the chain of events that happens when you just start to walk around, right? Like stepping on into the ground. There are some things that just happen if you have legs, which is when you step on your foot, that hip comes up. Like that's just the way our bodies work. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can just get back into that and hey, isn't it nice, that's a belly dance move, right? So just start to walk with intention and allow that Feel that push. Give yourself permission to to keep it simple. So that's the first step: is the your relationship to the ground. If you're the kind of person who feels like you get really like outside of yourself and kind of really uh, overly conscious about what's going on with the people in the room or what you should be doing, sometimes we try to sort of like put movements or combinations into an improv, which you certainly can. That's that's a tool to use. Or you're like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to move move to do next. I I do something called a palate cleanser, which is like it can be something very simple, which is just like a slow turn, like deep breath, turn all the way around, come back into the ground and then push out of your foot, right? And then see what happens from there. So, ways of noticing what's happening in your mind and then coming being able to come back to your body and listen for what let the music fill it and then see how the music wants to move through you so in the beginning this is a lot of noodly kind of things Mm -hmm. you know and often um you have to noodle okay so thankfully belly dancing is very (laughs) noodly. it lends itself (laughs) and noodling is a bona fide like way of dancing okay so if you're if if you're not a noodler yet then first noodle first become noodle okay And then we'll start to play around with, because we do care about what it looks like. And we, as dancers, we do care about changing when the music changes, uh, having some visual interest. Then we can think about things like directionality, traveling around the space versus staying in one spot. So we can start to add some structure or just some kind of outside ideas uh, to create contrast, to make it interesting for you and for the audience. And within that framework, you can play around. So creativity often relies on a little bit of pressure, right? It's sort of like, it's just our our human brain is like, we're the most savvy when we have the least amount of things to work with, right? It's like, give somebody like a, a rock and a stick and they're like, find food. And they're like, oh, I can make a tool. But if you have like <laughs> all the tools in the world, um, you know, or food at the grocery store, right? It's like, you're just not, you're not gonna be as creative. Mm-hmm. So it's that same kind of idea of like understanding yourself and kind of what you need. How Can I put some parameters on what's happening uh, right now so that I can create and be playful and come up with something that keeps me interested too. Like as I personally often find also like, am I just doing the same move like over and over again? Like it feels good, but also I'm a little bit bored maybe. So can I put some parameters on it and say like, well, I've been standing, I've been in this one spot for a while now. The next time the music changes, I'm gonna travel in a circle around the space. I don't know what movement, I don't know what step I'm going to use. I don't know if I'm going to shimmy. I don't know what my arms are going to do. I just know that I'm going to do the complete opposite of what I'm doing now, which is move around the space. Even if I'm given a toxin, let's say, what, let's break a rule. I don't know what the band's going to do, but when, when it changes, I'm going to start to travel. Um, and you'll find that you come up with some interesting new things. You know, you, you set some creative limitations to play around with. And a, a lot, often, a lot of times, it's kind of a game of like, do I need more freedom or do I need more restriction in order for me to stay engaged and stay interested Mm -hmm. and stay connected? Because sometimes we think like, oh, it's just free. Like it's just all free. Just, you know, but there is, you know, we have to understand kind of our own psychology and what we want out of it too. You know, like what kind of experience do you want out of it? Does that answer your question?
0: It does. (laughs) And, And I think it gives people some options too. It's like, if you go to improv later, like start off with the, with being grounded. If you're feeling stuck, do the palate cleanser. If you're feeling bored, you know, just put a different set of parameters on it and go. Who knows what's going to come out of it, but go see. So I feel it'll like, be different. yeah, it'll be different and you can experiment with that. And it's all play. It's all fun. It's all there to experiment with because you're just in your dance space.
1: Yeah. And you and I think what's what's really cool about this is if you've been dancing for a while, you will find um, some new things, you know, and it's a lot of times it's things that only you could come up with. I mean, I've attended a lot of workshops where that teacher came up with some really cool things and I learned all of these intricate uh, layers and stuff on top of a combination. Um, but it wasn't my own creation. And I would often wonder, like, wow, how did they come up with that? Mm-hmm. This is probably how they came up with it. <laughs> they put some parameters on it and then their body problem solved it. And then they were like, "Ooh, I like that. I I've never done, you know, whatever a downward figure 8 while traveling in a circle. I don't know something, right?" So, um, but
0: what if we tried?
1: Exactly, right? <laughs> or your your body will surprise you sometimes like, "What?" I didn't know I could do that. What was that? So if you are, if you're curious about that, then I would say, you know, put, set your camera up and take a video of yourself improvising and you'll, you'll often find some little nuggets, (laughs) gold nuggets of
0: yourself. Well, Heather, this has been amazing. I feel like you've given people a lot of tools to run with in their practice and some, I, I, some ideas around improvisation that I actually, I love the thing I love about this podcast and about dancers is that you can ask several people the same exact question and you will get a totally different perspective with a totally different set of tools. Like the way that you approach improvisation here within this is different than I've heard from other dancers. And that's exactly, that's exactly why I love it. That's why I love this dance. That's why I love having the podcast because we all have such different perspectives and you never know who's gonna say the thing that just clicks. Exactly.
1: I've definitely taken many classes and had, you know, four or five different teachers teach the same move even. I think we've all had this experience, right? And then finally somebody says something where you're like, oh, I did it. Not to discount the other four teachers because I worked really hard on that move with the other four teachers. So some of that work is coming into play here,
0: but there's just something that this teacher said that unlocked something about it. And now I get it and now I'll have it forever. I think that's invaluable. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your knowledge around this topic and for giving people some tools, tell people how can they find you on the internet? How can they study with you? How can they do all of the things? Cause they loved this episode and they, they want more Heather.
1: Well, thanks. Um, yeah, my, uh, website is henna dances, H E N N A dances.com. Uh, all of my social medias are henna dances. So you can find me there. I'm on Instagram, on
0: Facebook, I am on TikTok, but I'm kind of silly on TikTok. <laughs> that makes it better. You used to get a different side of Heather on. TikTok.
1: <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing on there. Is what I mean. <laughs> but, but it's a fun. It's fun to figure out.
0: You're just so playing. So thank you so much. <laughs>
1: I'm playing exactly.
0: <laughs> I have one last question for you before we leave. I have been looking to bring some positivity to the last bit here of you know COVID and all of this. What has been the most positive dance experience that you have had throughout the pandemic? Uh,
1: I think the most positive dance experience that I've had is that I've been able to connect with dancers from all over the world in my classes who either know me from Datura Online or who, you know, just know me from social media and we get to know each other really well in the live uh, arena that is Zoom. I have, it's been really nice to be able to um, connect despite the fact that we can't be in person mm-hmm. and that has definitely okay. been the silver lining that um I could meet I can meet people outside of the Portland area and dance with them. And um, we've had some really, uh, I think the pandemic also has given me the space to try some things in class that I I wouldn't normally live because they're just a little bit not traditional. You know, I can utilize the power of the internet to show YouTube clips or uh, have more discussion or um, have different types of classes. Um, So that has been probably the most positive thing is just staying connected uh, at a time when it's really easy to feel isolated and keep dancing i'm surprised i've been surprised that i feel um a sense of community even with my little screen here in
0: front of me Mm -hmm. and coming over to watch everyone dancing in their living rooms and seeing all their puppies. Pets really are the stars of Zoom. <laughs> it's true. It's just it's just how it goes. Well, yeah. Heather, thank you so much for putting in the work to make those classes happen over the pandemic. I know so many of your students probably relied on them for that connection just as much as you were. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. And everybody, thank you for listening. We will talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Heather will be teaching her workshop, The Anatomy of Improvisation, in the 2021 bundle, and I'm very excited to dive deeper into all of these topics with her there. In the same way that Heather encourages you to play, this workshop is a mix of games, exploration, and good old-fashioned drills to help us ease our way into improvisation. Being thrown into the deep end works, but learning the concepts behind improv helps us to get a handle on what's happening so that improv is fun to do and exciting to watch without quite so much of the worry that tends to plague dancers when the word improv is brought up. Until then, check out the show notes page at thebellydancemodel.com 75 to follow Heather on social and to check out her website. I know she's already convinced you how awesome she is with today's episode. And as for what to do next, put on some music and stay curious with it. Find some way to play with the music without expectation. It's hard at first, but the more you build that trust in the music and in your body, the more the magic happens.